stress you out? Yeah, me too. School's coming up, guys. Uh, and by the way, I don't know if you heard this, we're having this big back-to-school service next week. It's going to be great. The, the principal from Wilburn, the new principal, is going to be here. It's going to be a good time for, for families and the family of God to come together and to get ready for that time. Uh, if you haven't been with us, we've been in this series called Breathing Room. This, not so much breathing room over here. I've got to open the cage. I'm going to go run over here. This, ah. Breathing room, space, confined things. Now, what we're talking about, not so much in clutter or garages or closets, but there are certain areas of your life that can't look like this, okay? Your schedule, your finances, your heart, morally, this cannot look, your life can't look like this. You need space. You need some breathing room, okay? That's what we're going for this series. Would you join me in prayer before we get rolling today? God, would I pray that your servant, Lord, uh, would not be, uh, Lord, in the midst of my weaknesses, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, Lord. Lord, your spirit would be heard. God, give us ears to hear and discernment today, Jesus. I know that you can do it. Lord, thank you for, for the power that comes in your word. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Love seeing the, uh, and hearing about New Mexico and our students going there. I was on Facebook this week. Maybe you saw a little bit of their journey. There was this picture from the Grand Canyon. Did you see it? A uh, beautiful picture of, and this hasn't, I think it's been doctored. It was right at sunset. Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon before? Amazing. It's pr- definitely encourage you to do that if, if, if you get a chance to in your life. The first thing I saw here uh, in this picture was the beauty, but the thing that jumped out to me, the next thing was this. Thank you, Jesus, that there is a guardrail where they're at, okay? Thank you, Jesus, because the next thing I saw in this picture was Ripley Sumter, and I thought, <laughs> if anybody in this picture was going to get too close to the edge, no? Oh, because when you're at the Grand Canyon, there are certain spots that there aren't any guardrails. That's some scary stuff. You can get to the edge, but you're a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, so if you ask me, okay? No offense, Ripley. Um, but thankfully, there are guardrails. There are some places there aren't guardrails. If you've ever been to a foreign country, uh, there are places that are some of the most dangerous places. I've been to Dominique and Guatemala specifically, where there are mountainous areas, and the scenes sort of like this. And uh, when I went to Dominica, you were like on the edge of an amazingly beautiful area, but you are scared to death because the roads are not the same size as our roads. And two cars, I don't know how physically possible it's two, for two cars to get on one of these, uh, these roads here, and no guardrails. So just nervous, and you're on the edge, and there, when there are not guardrails present, you have a right to be a little fearful. Guardrails, you see them around. We, we kind of, in Houston, we see so many barriers and things that are out there, we kind of forget about them. Uh, but what a guardrail is, is this. It's a system designed to keep vehicles from straying to dangerous and off-limits areas. And something I've noticed about guardrails is this. They aren't placed at the very edge. They're actually a couple of feet away from the edge. They're in a safe zone. So what happens? If your car hits a guardrail, that would be awful 
but it's not as bad as going it, what it could be, right? Could be so much worse. There's, there's this space that's there that's provided uh, that will actually help instead of maybe, maybe hurt your car a little bit, but not as bad as it could be. Now, some sermons uh, you will forget. Some of you will maybe forget this sermon that five minutes into lunch. You, you will, might even have a clue what I talked about. Some sermons, you, there's something about them you just remember, right? They're just things. If I go back to the year 1992, Batesburg, South Carolina camp, I was going into the ninth grade, all right? Ninth grade, Batesburg, South Carolina, that's where our camp was. There was a humongous chicken coop farm down the road from the camp. So, the smell of chicken coop just infested the camp area in an awesome, it's just an aroma just for the, the soul and the senses. I don't know if you can get that in, in your mind, uh, but it's pretty disturbing, disgusting, but it's just everywhere, okay? Campground, old South Carolina, super hot, um, and we had this, this sanctuary, massive sanctuary, and it was actually, it was this kind of all comes down as, as a ramp toward the front of the stage, big stage area. Great things happened for me at that camp, and as a lot of you have had great camp experiences as a student or as an adult. This guy, Ed Belzer, speaking, all right? Now, just to set the, the full scene, I had just been alerted in my life, in my mind, that girls existed uh, at that point, okay? And I did not have many moves in the girl department, all right? My one move that I can remember back in the day was not the yawn move, but it was the back-cracking move. Uh, uh. Ah, right there. That's a freebie today, okay? You can take that with you, students, okay? Now, as I was thinking about that and all that thing was processing, uh, there was a, uh, I know there was a specific girl there that I just had my eye on, and I happened to be sitting with her that night, and what does the speaker talk about? Sex, okay? Tuesday night at camp, let's talk about sex. Now, when you talk about sex, for students, they're like, I'm listening now. Uh, yeah, I forget everything else, but I'm listening now, okay? And he was talking about sex. He started off with this question of how far is too far? Where is the limit? Where is the edge? How far is too far? And so there was this discussion about how far too far was. And we talked about, you know, in God's view of how far too far is. And he, it was the very, as he's talking about this, he sets this, it wasn't crepe paper, but he put a line on the ground. I'm just remember, he's just got this line. He's talking about this line that's there, you know. And, and, you know, let's be honest. People are always looking for the line. Where is the edge between right and wrong? That is one of the questions I've had more than anything is people ask me as a pastor, I want to know exactly where the line of sin begins, okay? That's what I want to know in different areas. You would be shocked to hear some of the, the areas of this, this question goes to. So he, he said there was this line, and it was at the very bottom of the sanctuary, remember? Downhill. He gets a volunteer. I need the best athlete in, in the room. Guys, all hands up in the air, picks some guy. I don't remember who it was. He said, dude, I want you to start at, at the top ramp area, and I want you to run and stop at that line. I said, oh, I got this. I got, everybody's like, hey, you cheer, he pumps the crowd up. He runs, I'm not gonna run for you. He runs as fast as he can, and when he hits the brakes at the line, you know, it's like one of those e-e-e-e kind of things, and everybody's going, ooh, and Ed does this, gently pushes him over, <laughs> bam. And everybody went, ooh, ah! Downhill momentum, the combination, and just a, a gentle, push. And everyone is, oh, he went over the line. 
And Ed asked us this question. What? What if we drew the line somewhere else? What if we drew the line somewhere else? What would happen if the line was way back here and you just happened to go over the line? Would that be as bad as going over that line? And of course, we're like, no, no. The name of that message, Bingo, Bango, Bongo, uh, I have no idea why. Maybe, uh, but, but it's stuck in my mind for a long time. Because I think that a lot of people would be saved a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of hurt, a lot of the damage that's been done to us in various areas if the line was drawn in a different place in their life. Are you with me? Are you with me? You see, if you think back to this, what are the biggest regrets of your life? What are the moments that I wish that I could, if I could just go back to a moment, what if you could draw that line at a different place? If you could reverse something. There's this book that I picked up a handful of years ago by Andy Stanley, and I got it, and I was initially disappointed because the, the, the title was, was kind of drew me in, The Best Question Ever. And inside of that, that book, it, The Best Question Ever is, is a very simple one. And that's what it was like, oh, I can't believe that's it. It was this. Here's the best question ever. You don't even have to buy the book. What is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? In light of your past experiences, in light of your current circumstances, in light of your hopes and dreams, what the Lord wants for you, what is the wise thing to you to do? Because what we're talking about today is that. It's wisdom. Is wisdom. Here's a couple of verses from Proverbs. It says this. Proverbs 24, 3 through 4. A house that is built on by wisdom. And maybe you want to think about that uh, parable of the house built on different foundations. A house that is built by wisdom and become strong through good sense, understanding, through knowledge. Its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. Proverbs 27, 12. A prudent man sees evil and hides himself. The naive proceed and they pay the penalty. So the question today is pretty simple. Do you want to be wise? Do you want to make good decisions in your life? Do you want to have knowledge from experience? Do you want to have good judgment? I think all of us would answer that question. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if that's the case, then we all need guardrails in our lives. We all need personal guardrails in our lives. And what are these personal guardrails? We'll define it this way today. It's a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience for us. It's drawing another line, another guardrail that will protect you from the edge, okay? It will protect you from going over the edge. Now, at first, we kind of reject these thoughts, okay, because we think that that's just doesn't give us much freedom. I like what Tim Keller says this. Freedom is not the absence of, uh, of restriction, but the presence of the right restrictions in our lives. It's the presence of the right restrictions in our lives. Today, we're going to be in the, in the book of Ephesians. You want to turn there? It's chapter 5. We've been there a couple of weeks and in and out of it. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And Ephesus, to me, looks very similar, uh, if not worse, than the culture that we have today. I mean, perverse 
vulgar in many areas. It was a place where wealth and, and money bought you a lot of things, a lot of dangerous things. And uh, so Paul is writing to the people how to be Christ followers, how to live this life that Christ has called us to live in the midst of this culture, in the midst of this generation that we have and this, this place that we live in. And he writes this in verse 15. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart. To the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's break that down really quick. Be very careful. Be very careful. Have you ever gone to someone's house and uh, you go to open the back door and before you take the first step, they say, Watch out, be careful. Why? Crude analogy, because they have dogs. And in the backyard, there are landmines, we'll call them today, okay? All right, be careful where you step, okay? That's what he's saying. Be careful how you walk. Be careful how you live. Why? Because the days are evil. We live, I don't think I have to tell you very much. We live in evil times, people. Look around. We live in an evil day and age where temptation is around every corner. And the world, as we talk about guardrails, they're not going to help you in this area, okay? Don't turn to the world for the guardrails of your life, the lines of your life, because they're, they're not very good at it, okay? Let's take a few examples. A little, if you look around just sexually, how perverse our society is right now. And the message of today, the guardrail of today, okay, is, well, let's just, a couple of examples. We have people that are singing about extramarital affairs, dancing with sing, people that are half naked, but then when someone actually has an affair, <gasps> Let's put their name on, the, on, a, on a picture of a magazine. How dare you? It's the pull and entice in, but if you touch, shame on you. And that, that philosophy is, is everywhere. It's a bait and switch. It's a, it's a temptation, but then if you get sucked in, oh, then, you're, then let's shame and guilt you. The world is not help, interested in helping you be wise. There's a couple other areas that'll different areas that were with, with sexual things, 0% financing for 36 months. Buy one, get one free. You will not see the title of the movie selected on your bill. Re delete history, clear history. The world has turned a blind eye to certain things and said, it's okay. Understand what the Lord's will. That's the next part of that, that passage. Understand what God's will is. Stop deceiving yourself. Don't be foolish. That's the opposite of wisdom. Don't be foolish. Be wise. Be wise the way that you, you draw the lines in your life. Don't turn a blind eye to, to certain things. What the Lord's will is. When God has called us, and that's the, 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 the pre to this passage is this. You used to live in darkness. Live in light. If you're going to live in light, you need to seek what God's will is for your life. And God is a good God. 
He is a good father. Now, in all of us, at one point in our, our lives, we had parents, and maybe these parents had some things, some, some, some uh, guardrails for us, and we all rejected those at one point or another, right? They don't know us. I, they're just restrictive. My parents don't know me or don't care. And then maybe at another point in life, you went, man, my parents really do care about me. Why? They cared enough to draw the line a little farther back to help me, to help me. But let's be honest. We all have, does anybody have that little beep in your car when you're, you close the door, you start the engine, you go down the road, and you don't have a seatbelt on? Beep, beep, beep. Don't you hate that beep? I hate that beep, all right? There's a part of me that's inside of me that's like when I hear that beep, I go, I am not putting my seatbelt on, and I will show you. And I'm talking in my car at this point, which is really crazy. Uh, I'm not going to put my seatbelt on. I talked with my, my brother-in-law about this. It's like when they made the law that said you, should, you, should wear your, you have to wear your seatbelt, that made me like, well, how dare you tell me what to do? There's that thing, that thing inside of us. When someone tells us what to do, we don't want to do it, do we? And I have that. I think we all have that. But I think the bigger question here is God tells us and shows us what his will is and our hopes are for, for, for your life and my life, who's leading your life? Who's driving your life? Who's calling the shots for you? Is it you or is it God? Because what I've found is throughout my life, God has said, this is what's best for you. I love you. I'm trying to help you. My goal is not to get you my goal is to watch out for you because I know what's on the other side and it's pain and there's destruction and you can go that way, but it will break your heart and it will break the hearts of others and the chaos will be too much. Stay over here. We have a good God that loves us. He's not some cop in the sky. He is a father that loves us. Keep going on. He says, for once, we said this in verse 8, just a reminder, once you were in darkness, but now you are the light, our light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Pre-Jesus, let's be honest, we weren't really concerned about what pleased Jesus or pleased the Lord. But now that you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, Find out what pleases God and do it. It's what's best for your life. Now, if you don't follow Jesus today, if you're not a Christ follower, if you're having that conversation in your heart right now, can I just tell you something else? There is a lot of just wisdom in line drawing, okay? Because no matter if you're a Christ follower or not, once you pass certain lines, there is pain on the other side. Be wise. Be wise. So Paul gives us a couple of examples. I want to give us some examples of some specific things that I think we need, that we all need to draw some lines in, uh, some, some, some guardrails in our lives. He says this in verse 18, do not get drunk on wine that leads to debauchery. Now, what is debauchery? That's one of those funky Bible words that we have. Uh, debauchery is, it means this. It basically is losing control. It's drunkenness that leads to being out of control, that leads to, to, to sexual lines being crossed and other things happening. Can I just give you some full disclosure here? Let's just have a little chat here. I don't drink. I don't drink. I, I know that may be shocking to some of you guys. Some of you are like, duh. I mean, but some of you are like, how does he not drink? Everybody drinks. 
you're processing that. A couple of reasons why. Did not grow up with alcohol in my, my home. I have never seen my parents drink before, ever. Um, just wasn't there. Um, I grew up learning that the best guardrail, and I believe this is, this is what the church of the Nazarene believes, the best guardrail that you can have in your life, the best line that you can put is not to drink. Now, do I think drinking is a sin? Do I think the church of the Nazarene believes that drinking is a sin? I don't think you can find that in the Bible, okay? But I do think it's the best guardrail. That's what I've decided. Now, do I have friends that drink responsibly? Yes. But that number, I think, is smaller than, than what we would like to believe. Now, a couple of reasons why that I, 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 uh, I have drawn that line. I've had the, uh, just being in ministry, I've gotten to see a lot of things that not everyone else gets to see. I've seen the pain. I've seen the hurt that this, that this one thing brings in people's life. Alcohol paired with other things brings destruction. It just does. I've been there. Melanie, I have taken someone to the hospital because a grandmother was watching after a, a little girl, and she was too... She wasn't in control enough to know that someone had come into her house, a friend that she was with, and had violated sexually her granddaughter. I have been there in the conversations when teenage girls and and boys say, I don't want to be around my dad when he drinks because of the things that he says and the things that he does. I have heard the stories of my dad would come home and wrap something around his hand and begin to hit the first thing that he sees. And I got in the way, protecting my mom. I know what it leads to. And let's be honest, we all know in certain areas. We can throw out stats. We can talk about, we can talk about driving uh, impaired and how 30% of accidents, that's like 88,000 fatalities last year were because of drunk driving. We probably have had someone affected in some way. We've seen homes just blown up because of this issue. Hurt that's caused just by the words that are said in certain situations when anger and alcohol are mixed together. We've, we've seen the results of that if we were honest today. Now, this guardrail that I've put in my life, I think it's the best one. But do I think you can have another guardrail in your life along the way that would prevent you from, from crossing some of those paths? I do. I think it's possible. I've got some friends that have modeled that. But, but here's the deal. There's a lot of people that think that they, that they have control in this area of their life, and they don't. They don't. Ask the people that are closest to them, and they will know. You'll, you'll know the answer to that. So, so my challenge for you today is, do you have a guardrail here? Do you have something that's, that's in place, that, that, that's there, that is going to help you from crossing lines that you can't recover from, that you'll have regrets from, that you'll do things that you'll regret, you'll say things that you'll regret. Do you have a guardrail in your life that's, that, that's there? Now, maybe you're asking, why in the world are you picking on this issue? And there's one more thing we'll talk about as well. Why are you talking about this? In my experience, the things that we're talking about today, morally, if you don't have breathing room in your life, these are the most devastating, okay? These are the most impactful, not just on you, on the ones around you. And you have to take responsibility for that. 
And, and you're accountable for those actions that are there as well. So the question is this, you know, where do, where do you need to have a guardrail there? Some of you, quite honestly, need to draw it a little farther back than what you've had it or, or consider it at all. The next thing is this. He says this in Ephesians 5, 3. Pretty quiet in the room. Um, we need a joke. Place joke here. Uh, in Ephesians 5, 3, it says this. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Now, what does sexual immorality mean? It means, there's this Greek word there that means pornea. It's where the word where we get pornography from. Pretty obvious there. And that means sexual relations outside of marriage, lust, adultery. And 1 Corinthians 6.18, it says this, flee from this, run from this, flee. It doesn't say flirt with sexual immorality, it says flee. Now, what is this word flee? It's, it's this word foo. Fugo, or you go, sorry, fugo, to run away, to shun, to escape, to distance oneself. Run, forest, run, is what he's saying here. Run away from that line. Get away from that line. You can see this played out if, you, if we had time today in Genesis 39. You can check that out where Joseph is being pulled literally by Potiphar's wife. And what does he do? I'm out of here, buddy. And she is left with his tunic or garment. I don't know what the word is in the, the scripture there. And he's gone. It's like, I am out of here. I'm not going to be tempted in this way. So run away from sexual immorality. Run the opposite direction. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20 says this, all other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against his own body. What does this mean? I thought all sins are the same. I think they are all the same in God's eyes, but the consequences of sin are not the same. When we sin against our body, the weight and the consequences are different. They're heavier than other areas. They just are, and you know that. You've seen that effect, maybe in your own life or in the lives of other people, how heavy and difficult it is. When you gossip, will that ruin your reputation? Absolutely. Can you recover from that? Yes. In some places where you cross the lines in this area, you can't recover from it. You can't take back things that are there. There's just regret in area. And I've seen this in this area more than any other area where the shame and the hurt is so devastating to other people, where people are slipping over the lines here. And in this case, kids grow up without their dads or without their moms around. Men that are living and women that are living in the constant distraction of the images that are in their head that they cannot, they can clear it on their computer, but they can't clear it in their mind. People that have the best intentions start off, and they start off with the best intentions, but momentum starts, and they begin to cross lines. And maybe it's because they started with the wrong question. Maybe the question isn't where the line is, but you know, maybe they start with, with something like this. Um, well, there, is there anything wrong with this? Is there, anything, is there anything wrong with going to coffee with someone of the opposite sex? Is there anything, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. We even work together. We're going to be talking about work there. Is there anything wrong that I share some life experiences with this person? Or maybe some personal things that I, I haven't told anybody? Is there anything wrong with anticipating spending time with someone? Is there anything wrong just to, to flirt with somebody? It's no big deal. Flirting is not a big deal. 
And these questions, you can see where this go, is going. And if you saw this in a movie, you'd be like, ah, oh, anybody sees where this movie's going, okay? The end is pretty obvious here. But there's nothing wrong with that. And then at the end, I never thought it would happen to me. Never thought it would happen to me. Or maybe this question, how in the world did I get in this mess? How in the world did I get in this mess? See, what I found is most people never plan on having a moral failure. They just didn't plan on not having a moral failure. They didn't have a guardrails in their life that protected them. James McDonald says it this way, it takes far more energy to recover from failure than to prevent it. Far more energy to, to recover. Put guardrails in this area of your, your life. And this is what I'll tell you. Before, I'm going to give you some specifics here. The, uh, just, just kind of a confessional with my kids, and maybe just because they're young in this place. There's a part of me that really likes to say this phrase, and maybe you like this with your spouse. I kind of I like that phrase, I told you so. It's kind of nice sometimes, isn't it? When we, in my little girl, she, she wanted to bring this, this, remember those little puppies that you, you take with a leash and they make the weird noise? We're going to visit Noah's new school yesterday and she's like, I want to bring the puppy with me. And we're going to be going up and downstairs and around this new building. I'm like, you need to leave the puppy in the car, okay? Oh, I really want to bring it. You're going to have to carry it the whole time. I really want to bring it. All right, bring it. And about 10 minutes in, I don't want this puppy. Can you get? No, you can't carry. I told you so. Isn't that fun sometimes as parents, okay? That's like the evil inside of us. I don't know if you can get that out. Can I just tell you, this is an area that I don't want to tell you I told you so. God does not want to tell you I told you so. He doesn't, because the devastation is too real and too impactful on our lives. He doesn't want that. And that's why he says, put guardrails in your life. He says things like this, don't you know your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. If you're a Christ follower, this is, this is for you. You're not your own. My body, my life, my heart, my everything is the Lord's. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor your God, honor God with your body. So, so what are some guardrails? What are some things, some specific things? I want to be super practical with you today because I got to be honest, I'm, probably most of the people in the room don't have guardrails in your life in this area. And I feel like specific things are, are really going to help you here. Um, so I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to probably think, man, these are just weird. I can't believe he does this. Who, do, this is just, who does this in the world today? I'm going to throw it out there. And I think that I think this will be good uh, to, to talk about. First of all, let's talk to the married people, okay? Married people in the room, here are some ones. Do not travel, with member, or travel alone with members of the opposite sex. You can, wait a sec there, G. Uh, don't travel with, sorry. <laughs> yeah, just a second. <laughs> you can sit and <laughs> they'll look at you more than they'll look at me. Um, Note to self, next time we talk about sex, bring multiple people on the platform. <laughs> All right, married people, these are for you, okay? We'll go through these quick. Don't travel alone with members of the opposite sex. That means trains, planes, and automobiles, okay? That means don't travel in a vehicle 
alone with someone of the opposite sex. Now, you're thinking, man, that's crazy. When I told this to my staff, they're like, and they just know this about me. Uh, you, You shouldn't do it. Avoid it. And sometimes that means awkward situations, but it's worth it. It's worth it, all right? The next one is this. Don't eat alone with members of the opposite sex. And yes, that means coffee, okay? Going to coffee with someone, which is a popular phrase. Now, you're going to say, well, let's go back to those questions. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Almost every affair that I've ever heard about, it started with a meal, okay? There's nothing wrong with that, you know, when I have had this rule for a long time for me. When my first couple of years of ministry, I, there's this new couple in the church. Uh, they said, hey, you need to go to eat sushi. I've never had sushi before. We invited me to the sushi restaurant. I go to the restaurant. The husband suddenly couldn't be there, and it's just the woman, just the wife, okay? No ill intentions there, but I have this guardrail. And guess what happened? I go to the bathroom, Melanie, you're not going to believe this. I immediately tell her, listen, I don't know what to do here. You're going to be okay. (laughs) Don't freak out. Thank you for calling. If you get into one of these situations, call your spouse. Tell them. Was it super awkward? Absolutely. Why? Because I'd gone over a line that I'd put in my life, but I hadn't gone over that line. And that, man, I was so glad. I, I have that in my life. Put that in your life. I think it's, it's just a wise thing to do. Do not counsel or confide with someone of the opposite sex. But he's the only one that can really understand me and the only one that really knows how I feel. Wah, 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 wah. And that connects with the meal part, okay? There should be alarms that go off. Don't don't counsel or confide with someone of the opposite sex. I have, in my profession, obviously I have to counsel people that are, are female. Doors are open. Glass is there. Usually this portico is taken advantage of because I don't want to ever be in a position where someone can't hear exactly what I'm saying to someone else. If you feel, this, is, this might be really weird to you, but I think it's a good one. If you feel your heart or desire is drifting towards someone else, you need to tell someone you trust that will help you. If you're starting to feel that tug towards someone, I, I just feel attracted. I just feel something that, that's there. Now, and I don't necessarily say this person, it, it could be your, your husband or wife. You need to have people that you're accountable to in your life. Maybe even you can, a pastor here, you're, you're open to, to share with one of us, and begin the steps of, I need accountability in this answer, in this area of my life. And by accountable, I mean this. There are people in your life that are yes people, that are just encourage you in everything. They're just enablers. You don't need enablers. You need people that care about you enough to say, hello, we need to put some some lines up with this, this person, all right? So that's married people, right? Now, the last thing is this. Married people, you need to talk about this stuff. Establish these rules and talk about them together, all right, so that you know that they're in place. Things for single people, and yes, this is you students. Uh, the, the rules that we just said with, with married people, these apply with, with married people that you know, okay? So single people, you don't need to go and have a meal with someone that's married of the opposite, opposite sex, okay? You don't need to confide in or counsel with someone there. Those rules apply uh, for you with, with married people, all right? This is a rule that I've had with students for a long time. I think it's great. 
you should always keep your feet on the floor, and you should not touch where underwear covers or should cover, okay? You can add things there, right? If you follow these rules, that is a great line right there, okay? Now, I'll go back to uh, Ed Belzer. I have seen Ed Belzer and, and thought about this area of my life, and I've gone up to him and was like, bingo, bango, bongo. Thanks, buddy. Uh, that's like 20 years ago, and he has no idea what I'm talking about. But this, man, if you put this rule in your life, it will, man, it will protect you. It will help you, uh, students and single folks. Here's another one, and you can, you can figure this one out. No sleepovers. No sleepovers. Opportunity that can be that can can bite you. Run away, flee from sexual immorality. Um, then this this last one for single folks. Uh, maybe you need to take a break from relationships. Maybe this whole thing about lines is just brand new to you. And maybe being a Christ follower is new to you. And you've got a lot of things from your past that are. That are hard. I had this friend, Jason Scoggin, that was not a Jesus follower, didn't know anything about church. He gave his life to Jesus. He had a ton of things, baggage from his past. He had a ton of habits and things and relationships that just kept, even though he was trying really hard, he had so much things to try to overcome. He said this, I'm taking time off from relationships, and I need to reset. I need to reset my heart and my mind so I can put into practice things that are safe for me, that I can honor God with my body. And so he took time off, and maybe you need to take time off because you can't draw the line where it needs to be drawn. You can't have guardrails that are there. There's some things for both. Uh, avoid dangerous areas. There are places where you just don't need to go. There are just places that you need to stay away from, okay? And I think you can guess on some of those places, but some of them are unobvious. Going out with friends, uh, mixing the first thing that we talked about, hey, we're just going to go out with some buddies, and we're going to go drinking. We're going to go out with some girlfriends, and we're going to go drinking and go dancing. Where is that, where is that going to lead to? What step is that going toward that's there? Um, dress for spiritual success. This is for everybody. If we're honoring God with our bodies, we need to help people honor God in these areas, and we can, we can do that by dressing modestly. You can, a friend has this thing. I think she's doing hashtag worship wear. You can dress cute and not be immodest, okay? You can, all right? If you need some help, there's some great ladies in our church that can, can help you in that area uh, of your life. Monitor your internet activity, all right? Very simple thing. If you're on your phone or on your computer, if there is ever a desire to just turn so no one can see what you're looking at, wah, 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 that should be a huge red flag to you. Put things on your devices. Everyone needs this. Put things on your devices that people will know exactly where you're going. You need that. I have those on mine. My, uh, my, when it, there's a couple of sites that you can check out. There's a free one. It's called, uh, the site is triplexchurch.com, which is a catchy name, and triplexchurch.com. Uh, and uh, the free thing that you can put on your phones and your, in your uh, computer is this called X3 Watch. And if I were to go to something questionable, then uh, Jeffrey Johnson, our district superintendent and former boss, well, current boss, uh, is going to get an email for that. Uh, another friend of mine that's in the ministry is going to get an email for that. You know what? That will prevent you from going to some questionable places, okay? And it should prevent you as well. 
Do you ever turn your computer? Do you ever turn your phone so others can't see it? If you were in a public place, would you do it with the things that you're, you're consuming? It's a great line. It's a great barrier to have in your life. So this morning as we go to close, and I know this has been a lot, and this has been maybe a lot of toe-stepping this morning, and, and I hope that you've heard me today, and I hope that you've heard God's word today, and I hope that you've heard more than anything that I love you, that God loves you, that these things are there for you, to help you, to protect you, to protect the ones that you love the most. Because all of us can have seen the destruction these things can cause in people's lives. Let's be wise. And today I'll tell you this, maybe you've experienced firsthand the destruction. Maybe this has been really tough to sit through. And maybe you would say, and you would, if you could, you would shout out to this whole room, do it. Put guardrails in your life. It's worth it. It's worth it. If you would, just bow your heads. Let me ask you this. What area of your life do you need a guardrail? What area of your life is a danger zone that honestly you, you would just confess to God you are not in control of. The, area, the actions in this area can result in harm and, and it's caused regret. What area of your life do you need a guardrail? Would you pray now, Jesus help me to have the strength to put into action what I've heard today. Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would be with us as your people, God. Lord, I pray for the person today that doesn't know you and, and maybe hears all this and is just not laughing out loud, but laughing in their heart. But looks around the world and thinks, man, this is a messed up place. God, I pray, Lord, that that person... God, that you would reveal yourself to them, Lord, as a God, Lord, that loves and cares, a, a heavenly Father that is a good God that has come here not to confine, but to set free, to give hope, to give forgiveness, to wipe away the shame, to wipe away the guilt, wipe away the hurt. God, I pray for the person today that is full of those things. They're walking with you, but quite honestly, they still have those things in their heart and their life. And a part of them doesn't believe that you can forgive, that you have forgiven. God, I pray that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, God, you have set them free. God, that, that your word is true, that if we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and just to forgive us, to purify our hearts and our lives. And we come for that purification. We need it, Lord. God, I pray for forgiveness between friends and family and loved ones, God, that there's, this, there's a tension there. Maybe there's still there. God, I pray that healing would come and we know that you can bring it. God, I pray for conviction. And for all of us, Jesus, every one of us are, are weak in certain areas. We're just kind of drawn to certain things. God, and we need your conviction. We need your spirit to lead and guide us and direct us, Lord. God, help us to be wise in these things, Lord. 
Lord, we give our will, we turn everything over to you. You are Lord of our lives, God. We declare it today, and we're grateful for you, and we're thankful, Lord. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy, God. Thank you for your love as a dad, as a savior, as our Lord. And God, we lift these things up to you as your people today, in your name. Amen. There's one other thing uh, we're going to just encourage you to do as we seek wisdom. And I think this is a great start to the school year. I don't know if you've noticed this, but this series has kind of been intentional. As we get ready for school, that we need some breathing room in our schedules. That we need some breathing room, morally, students, uh, families. There's some, you know, you can live chaotically. But man, we really need some breathing room for Jesus in our lives. And, and, and kind of now is the calm before the storm or before everything gets really cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Uh, and so let's begin to put some habits in place that will help us, all right? So here's a, here's a thing that I'm going to challenge you to do, and I know that we're, we're, time is at the end, but here we go. It's going to take two seconds. The Proverbs 31-day challenge, okay? There's 31 Proverbs. Proverbs are little phrases of wisdom, okay? Little words, little verses of wisdom that are true and right for us, all right, Proverbs is 31 chapters. Read one proverb a day, okay? We'll start it tomorrow. We'll give you a day to, to ponder it, all right? We'll send out something to remind you or put it on Facebook. For 31 days, you read a proverb. What I want you to do is I want you to scan. I want you to not read just because, check, I did something for Jesus today. Uh, you don't need to do that, okay? You're reading it to be spoken to by the Lord, okay? So as you read this, God, speak to me, Lord, clearly to me, help me to be wise in, in whatever area you want me to point out today. And so you're going to find a verse that just shouts at you from that chapter, okay? And I want you to digest that. I want you to swish it around. I want you to think about it during the day. So it'd be great to start at the beginning. Write it down. Maybe write it on your, your, your hand. Uh, if we were really good Jewish boys and girls, we'd put it on our forehead. You don't have to do that. Um, but, but put it a part of your life. And then I want you to do this. Next step, text it to someone. Join this challenge together. Text it to someone and say, here's what just jumped out to me today. And we'll begin to just digest this wisdom. I guarantee you'll be, you'll be better because you'll be a better Christ follower in the next 31 days. That's the, the, the promise at the end of all of this. And it'll be great for you to start the school year as well. All hearts and minds clear. Fantastic. Would you stand with me? Let us all this week think about, process God's word and seek the will of God so we'll know the guardrails that we need to have in our life to be light in this dark world. May you go in the peace and the grace. Thank you, Jesus, for grace. Go in the peace and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have a great Sunday.